Would you pray with me, please? God, you are the one we stand in awe of. We try to celebrate people, and we try to celebrate our little moments of success, and we try to celebrate us, which is why so often we put ourselves in your place, the place that you rightfully should have in our lives. God, we're going to take a look at Galatians starting today, Paul's letter to three different churches. There's so much for us to learn in this letter. It is about taking a stand in the freedom that we have because of Jesus, not because of who we are. It helps us understand how we become a follower of his. And so, God, as we do that, I pray that you would make clear your word to us, that you would help us to see who and where we are in the midst of it, and that when we have those opportunities in our life to take a stand for you, God, that we would be brave enough to do that. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to start to study on Galatians, Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. And it's not a very long one. It's only a few chapters. But I want to start it out by, these are the Bibles that we give away. If you don't have one, we'd love to give you one. We've got some full Bible texts. We've got some New Testament ones back there. But I thought I want to start this series with their introduction to the book of Galatians. So this is the Bible that we give away. This is the introduction to Galatians. Galatians shows us how the work of Jesus' death on the cross provides us with everything that we need for salvation. As I'm going through the series, I'm going to use my copy of the New Living Translation as well. So if you use one of those Bibles, our words are going to be the same. If you have a different translation, the meaning is going to be the same, but some of the words might be different. What does that introduction mean? It means that it's okay to not be okay. It means that it's okay to be hurting and not have to feel bad about it. It's a, it means that it's okay to be sad. It means that we don't have to fix everything in our lives, everything that we think might be wrong with us, everything somebody might tell us is wrong with us. We don't have to fix it on our own because Jesus gave his life for our salvation. It's okay not to be okay, and Jesus loves you, and in him you are enough. And there's really nothing we can do to make ourselves more appealing to God because God loves you right where you are. But you hear me say a lot, He loves you too much to leave you there. Why do I know that's true? Because the letter that Paul writes that we're going to read today makes it so clear that Jesus' death on the cross paid the price in full for our salvation. You don't have to work on it. You don't have to to try to improve on it. This is the message that Paul gives to this early church because they'd start spinning off in a different direction. We're free in Christ because of Christ. We're not free in Christ because we're good people. The fact is we have Jesus because we're not. Chapter 1 of Galatians sets the stage for everything that follows. And as I'm going through it this week, I'm thinking, why didn't we take a month on chapter 1? But here's the, the, the short version of it. You cannot buy your freedom in Christ, any more than you can buy your salvation. We can't do it with hard work or good deeds or the right words or trying to convince people that we're at some point in our life that we're really not at. Even if we have this heart that, this is what Paul faces, this heart that stands in religious judgment that knows more Bible verses than the people next to us, and we can point out the sin of others better than anybody else that we know. That doesn't mean that our salvation is secure because of it. So if you've got a Bible, one of these or one of these, and I I really hesitate to do this because like a lot of you, I've watched Joel Osteen and he does this move. 
But I'm going to claim it for the Bible, okay? If you've got a Bible, lift it up. Would you, if you brought one with you, if you didn't bring one with you, please do. Please bring your Bibles. You're going to want them for this. I want you to say this with me, okay? Because in our world today, we've lost this. And I think people in churches all over try to fill it in with their own thinking, their own wishes. The bottom line, and this is what Paul's writing to the Galatians, this book is our truth. This book is our truth. Say that with me. This book is my truth. Jesus is going to save you. The government's not going to save you. A billion dollar payout's not going to save you. Jesus is going to save you. And there is a freedom that we have as Christians in Jesus that we can't get, buy, steal, beg, or borrow from anywhere else. That's Paul's message to the Galatians. So if you would, take that Bible you just lifted up and opened up to Galatians chapter 1. Now understand timeline. We just came through the book of Acts. This book was written in A.D. 49. Paul sent this letter to these churches and he'd been on this first missionary journey. So he's checking back with them because things had already started to spin out of control. In Acts 15, we see Paul at the Jerusalem Council of A.D. 50. This was written just before that. In part, the Jerusalem Council was addressing the very same thing that Paul is dealing with here. What Paul is doing is refuting the Judaizers. It's a fancy name, the Judaizers. They're the people who knew they couldn't stop the way, they couldn't stop Christianity. But what they said is, if you're going to give this message of good news to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish people, they've got to follow some of our rules. They gotta follow some of our laws. You can't just let them go willy-nilly having this Jesus guy and not doing things right. Judaizers still exist in the church today. We just call them, we call them those people who are more concerned about religion. They're more concerned about religion. They're more concerned about rules. They're more concerned about doing things in their order than letting Jesus have his way with us. And so Paul is addressing this to these people who are far more concerned about their rules than about the freedom that we have in Jesus because they wanted to make sure that if Gentiles are going to claim their God, they're going to do it their way. And there's still people in churches today that want to do that. But that's not it. Paul is going to argue that there is a freedom in Jesus and that there is a pure gospel. And the book of Galatians helps us understand that. See, the Judaizers, they knew they had to seize this Jesus moment. They had to grab onto it because at this point they couldn't beat it. So the next thing they thought they'd do is if we can't beat it, let's control it. Let's make sure that we make people follow some of our rules and our laws and let's enforce that on the new believers. Paul is saying no. So in chapter 1, verse 1, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. He uses the word, I was not appointed. It would appear that Paul is still able to do his own writing at this point. Later on in his life, it seems that other people penned some of those letters. But at this point, Paul is writing in the first person, very much like Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he gives us clues to that in the pronouns and in the language that he uses. So he's just completed his first missionary journey, and he's calling himself an apostle. He says, I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority. Sometimes there's a discussion in church, who's qualified to be a pastor? Who's qualified to be a ministry leader? My answer to that is anyone who we're able to discern through prayer and the fruit of their work that God has called to be in ministry. It's God's authority that we want to be concerned about, not people's. But by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead, what he's saying is my authority comes in Christ. 
As a Christian, as a believer in Jesus who's given your life to him, who is learning to work out your salvation, who is learning what it is to be an, a disciple of Jesus, your <coughs> authority, <coughs> excuse me, your authority is in Christ. It's not in you or your hard work or your degree. Your authority is in Christ. The only authority that matters. And he says, all the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. They're in southern Turkey is what we'd say now. He'd been there on his first journey and he heard that things coming back were not working the way that he would have hoped. See, the thing is, Paul had a lot of enemies within the Jewish church. Because Paul had been one of them. And they feel like that he abandoned them. And when, when he became a Christian, when he had that, that transformational mo- moment on the road to Damascus, they felt like he left the cause and they'd lost him. And so they created enemies because he was doing things they didn't agree with. See, the thing is, they didn't think Paul was qualified to be doing what he was doing anymore because he wasn't doing it for them. And I've said this a lot, but I really believe this is true. I count on this for myself. God has this amazing history throughout Scripture and throughout human history of not calling the people that the world deems to be qualified. In fact, God does the opposite. God calls people who everyone else overlooks. God takes those whom he calls and he qualifies them through his Holy Spirit. So if you feel like you're not good enough or you're not the right one or you're not the one that God would ever want to use, that probably is the first sign that you are. It's those people who say, I'm ready to do this, sign me up for that, I'm ready to take on this responsibility. Those are the ones we have to look at because somehow, maybe they think that they've been qualified somewhere else. Paul is qualified by God, and that's the only one that matters. And he says, may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Here's the summary of the whole book of Galatians. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned. In order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live, all glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And the church said, Amen. There is one gospel and one truth. Paul says, Jesus gave his life just as God has planned. Paul is preaching and traveling and writing under a divine call. I'm shocked, he says, that you're turning away so soon from God, who you called to himself, uh, whom, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. I'm amazed that you're already turning back on what it is that you've learned. You, you became Christians, you became believers, you started following Jesus, and now you've turned your back on it already. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news. He uses that word a different way because remember, that's how the church got its name to begin with. It wasn't called a group of Christians, it was called the way. You're following a different way, a false way, that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. See, what they're following is something that still, it still plagues the church today. It's the law-grace debate. Do we have to keep the law in order to earn God's grace? Or is it the good news of the gospel of Jesus discussion? And Paul says you're following the wrong one. It's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus is the way. Nobody comes to the Father except through the Son. That's truth. Paul left them with that truth, but these Judaizers have come in and said, yeah, that, that's true, but you've got to earn it. In verse 8, he says, let God's, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven 
who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again that we've said it before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. It's not about what we say about the Bible. It's about what the Bible says to us. It's not about what we do. It's about the fruit that we produce because of what we follow in the Bible. And Paul is trying to help these early Christians to understand that. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't be Christ's servant. How true. Preaching the gospel causes division and dissension and anger, and it causes people to get all kinds of crazy. Paul says, if my concern was to please people, I'd be doing something else altogether different. See, Paul was accused of of diluting Christianity. And so then the question becomes for us, excuse me, the question becomes for us, are you living to please people or are you living to please Jesus? Because at the end of the day, we can't do both. we got to decide which lane of the road we're going to go down. If the plan is to please people, Well, that's easy, at least on the surface. But the problem is those very same people that you're trying to please are very going to quickly turn on you and you're going to have to do more or something different or else look for a whole different group of people to please. But if you're looking to please Jesus, it's really easy. You follow the good news of the gospel. And Paul understands that pleasing people isn't going to get him anywhere. He's not going to build this church that he's been challenged to go out and build if he's trying to make people happy by what he says. However, if he's worried about pleasing Jesus... Then he just sticks with the gospel. That's why the Bible is one of the three foundations that we talk about every Sunday morning. So go on, verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand he's still having this relationship. He's connecting to them by calling them brothers and sisters. I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on human reasoning. I received my message from from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. What's interesting to me is that the more that I read the New Testament, the more it becomes really, really clear. Paul is the first theologian in the world. Paul is the first one. He has this encounter, this radical encounter. Paul goes from being who he was as a persecutor of the church to meeting Jesus face to face. and, And Jesus speaks to him out loud. And Paul becomes the greatest advocate, the greatest missionary, the greatest builder in the Christian church. He he is so clear in his understanding. He is so clear. It isn't human reasoning. It's his interaction, his transformation that occurred when he met Jesus. Have you been transformed because you met Jesus? See, if you haven't, If you haven't been transformed in your inside and a new creation coming through you on the outside, you're going to try to understand the Bible on human reasoning. You're going to use logic and science and what other people say. And you know what? i got news for you. The Bible isn't going to make sense. There's going to be things that you read that God tells you to trust that you're going to go, nope, it doesn't make sense. And people have done that for thousands of years. And Paul says it isn't based on human reasoning. It isn't based on logic. It's based on the fact that I understood in this revelation from Jesus exactly what it is, and now he is out to preach us, preach to us what it means and why. He says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. It was far ahead of, I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in zeal for the traditions of my ancestor. What he's saying is I was the very best at being the very worst. 
Some of you may be able to understand that. I had a friend one time, lost track of him for a lot of years, got back to him, how are you doing? How's your life? And he said, well, I've been through some things. And he told me what he'd been through. I said, how did all that happen? He goes, that all happened because I was the best vodka drinker I knew. I was the best at being the worst person I could be. What happened? Well, he ended up meeting Jesus, which was really, really a cool thing. Paul is using this part of his life, but it's his story. It becomes his testimony, but his story, and our story is when we try to find success on our own. Paul was trying to find success on our own. He was the best at being the worst. And maybe you say, I'm really good at doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. You know, that's okay, because you've got a good example in Paul. God's not done with you yet. But he says, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. God tells us that even while you were still in your mother's womb, God knew who you were. God knew who you were before the foundations of the earth. This very same thing that Paul is saying to the churches in Galatia, the Bible says to you, God knew you before you were born. God chose you, created you, and called you for a plan for him. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Paul took off on this life and he was good at it. He was smart. He was a, he was a good speaker. He knew his scripture and he knew how to hunt down and bring back and kill Christians. And then he met Jesus and everything changed. And you know, that, that's the whole point for us. That we live our life on our terms until that day comes that we meet Jesus. And if in that day we really give our heart to him, if we, if we really turn ourselves over to live for him, everything changes. And our story begins to be our testimony. Because it's no longer the life that I goofed up. It's the God who didn't give up on me. Are you still living your story or, or are you engaged in the middle of your testimony? Paul shows us both sides of it here. When this happened, I didn't rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Paul sought God. Paul sought God's truth for his life. He says, then three years later, then I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. There has been this plague in the church for 2,000 years that some people in some part of the Christian family claim that Jesus was an only child. Had to have been. Paul is saying here, I met James. I met the brother of Jesus. James, who was the leader in the Christian church in Jerusalem, it would make sense. Who better to understand how Jesus thought than his own brother? Paul, in this verse, almost as an afterthought, lays to rest that whole discussion and argument. After that visit, I went north to the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. Paul's not getting the glory, God's getting the glory, because this guy that was out to kill him is now preaching to them. What's your testimony? How are you living out your freedom? Are you trying to earn your salvation because you're wasting your time? Do you accept God's word as truth? And do you accept what God's truth says about you? 
Do you accept that God's Word says that you're a sinner just like I am? You're never going to get it right. You're always going to be influenced by the world around us. But that's not what matters if we're in Jesus. If we know salvation is in Jesus, if we have accepted that free gift and we have that freedom, then everything changes. Our story becomes our testimony. You have a testimony of God's grace in your life, just like Paul does. Are you living in the freedom of that grace? Are you living in the freedom of your salvation? If you're still trying to please people, I'm sorry, you're never going to. You're never going to please even some of them for very long. You'll never please all of them. But you know what? The Bible tells us how it is that we can be pleasing to God. We don't have to be perfect. He doesn't ask us to be perfect. That's why we have to work out our salvation. But we have to be conscious of it, and we have to work on it. And so my question is, has Jesus changed you? Has your encounter with Jesus changed your life in such a significant way that you're not even the same person that you used to be? On Friday night, I I got an invitation. All of you got an invitation, as a matter of fact. I got an invitation, along with the rest of our church family, to join our RC North 40 crowd for their celebration of their fourth anniversary. Friday night at 6 p.m., they promised food. I was out of my wedding rehearsal. I was there. And they fed us great. And you know, talking to the people, listening to the worship, listening to the message... I'm thinking about this thing I'm getting ready to preach on Sunday on Galatians. And I'm thinking to myself, they get it. No one's trying to be something they're not. No one's trying to pretend. You talk about abandon and worship. The song talked about Talk about abandon and worship, man. Friday night was it. And I think there is so much that we have to learn from that part of our church family that meets on Friday. There is so much that we have to learn from our young people that gather on Wednesday nights. The, the, the prayer life, the faith of the people who gather at North 40 and even the young kids who gather here, there's something for us to learn. If we're trying to work it out on our own terms, folks, here's what's going to happen. We're going to disappoint people and we're going to disappoint Jesus because we're going to forget about the gospel. But all the way back 14 years ago when we started, I remember us having the conversation that we're going to be a church that never stops talking about the transformation power of the cross. Not of us. The transformation of the power, transformation power of the cross of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because there's no way that we can duplicate that ourselves. We, there's nothing you can do in your life that God's going to go, you know what? That's just as good at what Jesus did for you. No amount of good works are going to impress them. No amount of memorizing or pointing out the sins and faults and flaws of somebody else. No no amount of trying to correct the course. What the Bible says, you know what, take care of yourself first. There is this transformation that happens because of the freedom we have in Jesus. Have you been transformed? Do you live your life in such a way that you're only concerned about pleasing Jesus? Do you live in the, the freedom and the responsibility of the gospel of grace? Or are you caught up like these folks that Paul is writing about? Are you caught up not, on, not in the gospel, not in grace, but in the law, in the doing, in, in, the, in the, the pushing and the trying to, to be better than? Because if that's what you're doing, you're not pleasing God and it's not doing any good for your faith. For some people, it's easier to be the religious finger pointer. 
This group that Paul is talking about, they still exist. They're in the church and they're in the world. It's easier for some folks to be the religious finger pointers. But you know what? God gave us that freedom to divide. God gave us the, the, the freedom to, to destroy. But you know, that's not the freedom that we have in Christ. That's not the freedom that we have as a, a transformed person because of our salvation in Jesus. And so I think what, what Paul is really wanting us to understand, where does the truth come from? At the end of the day, what's the truth that you're going to believe in? You have freedom because of nothing that you've done. You have freedom because of someone who you've met. You have freedom in Jesus. And, and you know, Martin Luther said it so well. We don't do good works to earn our salvation. We do good works because we are saved. You can't earn your salvation. You have freedom in that transformational power of the cross. Do you believe that God's word is truth for your life and do you live in that freedom? Or are you still trying to make your own way in the world? Because if you are, you're trying to please God and please people and it isn't going to work. That's not the truth that the gospel contains. The truth that the gospel contains is our freedom is in Jesus and in him alone. Our salvation is in Jesus and in him alone. Going to go on to next uh, week to chapter 2 of Galatians. If you want to, grab that Bible that's full of truth and read ahead. And we're going to jump into it. Chapter 2, we're going to do the whole thing. Let's pray. Gracious God. Gracious God, thank you that for some reason, for some reason you love sinners. You, a perfect God, who created a perfect world and gave the first people a perfect place to live. And yet, God, we wanted something else. We wanted something different. We wanted to chase someone else's truth. And that was the temptations of Satan. And in all the years that have passed, nothing's changed. We chase things that maybe sound more interesting or look a little bit more fun or, or that somebody tells us is really what we need to believe. But God, what we need to believe is what we find in your word. And it's so simple that who we need to be is people who accept that free gift of salvation in Jesus, whose lives are transformed because of him, and who stop trying to please people and who live to please you. God, help us to be those people. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, here's my last thought for you. John 14, 6, Jesus asked a question. His answer is this. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father except through me. It does not matter on an eternal scale who you are. What matters is whose you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what Jesus has done for you. And if we could just get that straight, I started at the beginning and I said, this book is our truth. That is our foundational truth. Everything else is just what we want. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. That's the bottom line. Paul is going to help us understand that. But you need to understand that it isn't who you are. It's whose you are. Whose you are. And once you are one of Jesus, you know what? Working for our salvation doesn't matter anymore because we already have it. Thanks for coming, folks. One more song before you go. Galatians 2 next week. Hope to see you there.